live. Good morning. It's Saturday morning. Saturday morning. And welcome to the Great Steak Breakfast. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Alan Jacoby's joined us. What's up? What's up? Oh, it's a happy, well-prepared, longly thought out Saturday morning. Remember how we always talk about like doing a podcast and how it's super easy? Mm-hmm. Try doing a live stream. Nope. Not so easy. And here we are. <laughs> no. How's everybody doing today? Good? Welcome. Now. Yeah, to everyone listening for the first time, obviously. And uh, to all our... Patriot Podcast Network, friends and family, we've made the jump. Here we are. So, I think uh, the most important thing we need to do is talk about what we're bringing to the table right now. Alan, why don't you let everyone that's uh, tuning in for the first time know everything that you do. In addition to having a show, you uh, are heavily involved, to say the least, with the network. True, true. Yeah, man. All right, everybody. Well, welcome. I think uh, Roan just said a lot. I'm still I'm still getting used to this live streaming thing. I'm not used to it. I don't live stream my show. But anyway, the Great Steak Breakfast Podcast on Patriot Podcast Network. So those of you who know me know I have my show, The Great Divide. And Roan Noah and Antoinette have Steak for Breakfast Podcast. And we collaborated. We bring you this Saturday morning live show on the Patriot Podcast Network, which the network itself we uh, was an idea that came to uh, fruition with a collaboration of about now I think eighteen or twenty different shows on Roku TV, so we can just bang out your ear holes in your living rooms twenty four seven. I don't yeah. know what else can I say, guys. Launch has been great. The reach has been good. It's growing every week. It's pretty awesome uh, idea that you came up with, and uh, we're glad to be a part of it with our show, the Steak for Breakfast podcast, broadcast bi-weekly, Tuesdays and Fridays, and I've been doing it for about two years, a little bit over that. So we're more of a politically driven America First politics show try to uh, hold a lot of the Trump era policies. We do the news with commentary and bring on some guests to join us sometimes. And uh, a lot of people in the political spectrum, everyone from sitting house and Senate members to major influencers. And then of course the America first candidates, because this is a really important midterm election we got coming up. We've had a heavy emphasis on that for the last six months or so. And it's been working out really well. We had a, what I like to consider a banger yesterday, uh, the former chief of staff to the DOD and special assistant to President Trump, Cash Patel, and the executive producer and director of the plot against the president, who did a nice little stint at the State Department under the Trump administration. Amanda Milius joined us, and we had a great time. We almost had the trifecta. Yeah. You know, apparently, Raheem Kassam doesn't like to do uh, roundtables, so... We talked yesterday, and we're going to get him back soon. He's been doing a lot of great work over there at the National Pulse. But yesterday's show was really good. And, uh, you know, we just want to keep it rolling and keep everybody informed. 
in regards to being up on the news. And, uh, you know, as far as the guests go, the caliber continues to get better and better, you know, as we roll on and uh, build our credibility. Yeah, you guys are always having awesome guests on. And that one you did uh, yesterday with uh, Amanda uh, Millis and Cash Patel. Uh, yeah, so Raheem kind of likes doing his own thing, right? He's not big into being on with other people. You know, we've had him on twice. We had a couple guests on last time he was here, and it was fun. But he never was ever really able to get into, like, if you see him on when he does his show or when he jumps on somebody else's show. I mean, people just kind of give him, like, an inch and then he can talk about a mile. And that's one of the large values of him. I think he's one of the best journalists in, in the world right now uh, for a lot of the stuff that he's been working on, everything from, you know, the Wuhan lab and, and the CCP connection to the coronavirus all the way up to the stuff now. He was one of the first people that uh, brought the Hunter Biden laptop out there, you know, in collaboration with other good journalists like Julie Kelly and Darren Beatty and Jack Posobiec and those guys. They just, you know, it's one of those things when you get them, you better uh, have a deep list of questions because they're going to be able to give you a lot of information in a short period of time. So, yeah, I, 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 they've been kind of ramping it up with the Hunter Biden laptop thing and, and, and more of a serious note now. And I just don't think he was like, he was traveling a little bit yesterday. I know he did a show earlier in the day with his, you know, co-pilot over there at the National Pulse, Natalie Winters. And uh, I don't think he wanted to have like, the segment we had with Cash and Amanda was really lighthearted. We did talk politics, but, you know, there was a lot of laughing and. Uh, you need that though. You yeah. need that sometimes. It can't always be serious. Imagine people in their shoes, even people that have shows like ours. I mean, we're always dialed into politics. We're always dialed into the issues. I mean, let's face it, boys, it get, it gets a little frustrating sometimes. And I'm, I'll say at least a good, at least once in my day, I'm just fucking pissed at something that's going on. And, you know, we got to read it because we have platforms and we're talking about it and getting issues out there and speaking truth. But yeah, you, you need that just to be able to, I tell you, that was a that was a big reason why I wanted to do this collaboration with you guys. You, you have a great show. You're always talking about great stuff. I I rant a lot on my show. I bring on guests, but I wanted to just have that. Hey, we could talk about it, but let's have fun with it and just kind of, yeah. You have to admit, though, it gets some frustrating sometimes, right? Yes. Yes, very much so. You know, it's it's ridiculous. It's funny. I, I, Raheem's Twitter feed's always on fire. And actually, just this morning, I found Matt Brainard. Uh, he, he retweeted Raheem about, I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, where Google says it'll demonetize websites which yep. report Ukrainian government attacks on its own citizens. I mean, wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Google Ad Manager, if you have a Google Ad, like, he, and he posted right from the Google Air Ad Manager. I don't know. I'm going to read it. It's quick. It's, it's, it's quick. Dear publisher, due to the war in Ukraine, we will pause monetization of content that exploits, dismisses, or condones the war. Mm. Please note, we have already been enforcing on claims related to the war in Ukraine when they violated existing policies. For instance, the dangerous or derogatory content policy prohibits monetizing content that incites violence or denies tragic events. This update is meant to clarify and in some cases expand our publisher guidance as it relates to this conflict. Now, this is the last paragraph, and this is what's interesting. 
This pause includes, but is not limited to, claims that imply victims are responsible for their own tragedy or similar instances of victim blaming, such as claims that Ukraine is committing genocide or deliberately attacking its own citizens. Until next time, the Google ad manager team. Hmm. So, <laughs> just in case it's there's a lot to unpack. Tr- right there. Not true. <laughs> true. Right. So, just in case, like Nazi sympathizers who maybe happen to be members of the Ukrainian military are killing its own people, we're not allowed to talk about that. If you have anything to do with advertising on Google, especially if it happens, right? Because we've all clearly seen video evidence of it online. Um, yeah, really interesting. That's well, it's not really. I guess it's interesting, but not surprising. You know, we've seen so much of the, uh, yeah, I, I think more recently, uh, later, you know, in the latter part of this week, heading into the weekend, we saw the whole seven hours of Donald Trump's cell phone are missing from the January 6th transcripts. And it was just, but they're not anonymous sources who get this ball rolling and it's, oh, we're going to get him again. And then within 48 hours, it was completely debunked when the House non select committee put out that the transcripts and, and phone records of Donald Trump's complete day of January 6th was part of the congressional record already. So got him. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like you can go on TV and say anything you want. And that just becomes God's word in regards to shaping the, you know, the news cycle. And it's, it's really, well, unless it's disturbing. Unless somebody says something about somebody on your team. I could remember right. that it's not true. It's late 2019. There was a laptop. Laptop, laptop, laptop. Well, I went to laptops this morning. So. <laughs> Sounds like a bunch of Russian disinformation right? to me. I think it was a Russian laptop, the first one. That's but, why uh, we're having so many problems. Yeah, but but here we are. <laughs> here we are. So you know, and now speaking of congressional, you know, record and laptop. I mean, what about what about the laptop? I mean, it's in the congressional record now, the hard drive. Right now, does that mean? Some of that's going to become public information because I'd I'd hate to really see if uh, people be exposed to what's really on that laptop, even though everybody should. But I'm hearing there are some pretty, pretty crazy things on there that maybe could even be illegal to distribute. I don't know. We could touch on that real quick. I did pull an audio clip regarding that. I saw um, from Raheem's show yesterday, since we were talking about him, him and Natalie were getting into the very sensitive topic on whether or not there may or may not exist child pornography on that laptop. If we're let's play a clip right now and let everybody hear what they were talking about. It comes up relatively, relatively often, Natalie. Uh, Fiat Justicia oh, no. asks, is there child pornography on the laptop or is it lies to cloud the subject? And my answer to that is that, you know, I have not seen anything, you know, that is that is very clearly explicitly, uh, you know, pornographic that is very explicitly a child. Now, I, I don't know, to be honest, because I'm not looking a lot into the pictures. We are fo- we are focused more on the uh, financial side, the, um, you know, the bargaining, the barisma, the metabiota, the foreign affairs, the money side of things like that. I've obviously gone into the photographs and there are obviously a lot of pictures of him naked and all of that kind of thing. Um, Natalie, I don't know if you get the same impression as me. There were a lot of people when the hard drive came out who attempted to kind of stick things together and Photoshop things that, you know, I don't know why, what they're, what the impetus behind them doing that was, if they thought that they were being helpful, that this would lead to you know somebody's arrest or whatever. But but I haven't seen a lot of those pictures that were like floating around early on actually on the drive. 
Yeah, me neither. I, I think my answer to that question, I don't want to act like a, you know, Facebook fact checker and just come off right off the bat and say, no, there's not. Right, because right. I think the answer to that question is we don't know yet. I also think it's, I mean, I'm, I'm no tech expert, but the way that the hard drive works, it's not connected to the internet, right? It's copies of it. So there are a lot of files on there that would take a team, an expert, you know, a, a different kind of data recovery um, mission to get to it. So I really think that as with, even if you were asking, are there, you know, deals with, who knows, that had a state of Tajikistan or something? It's mm, like the answer mm. to that isn't necessarily it's no, it's, we don't know. Um, and I think that those questions are valid questions to ask. I think people who come off the bat and say firmly one way or another, um, I think there's probably some conflict of interest there or something else at play. Um, but I just think people should always be careful because I know a lot of people have used the hard drive, I think, to kind of try to get clout in conservative media circles and pretend to have things yeah. They don't. And honestly, I think that that does such a disservice, just like, you know, with claims about election fraud, it does such a disservice because there actually is an issue there. You don't need to fabricate stuff. You don't need to make stuff up. Um, the stories write themselves half the time. So I think yeah. when, when I see people doing that, I'm always like pulling my hair out. I'm like, why are you doing So, you know, I think we were just kind of talking about that. And it's one of those things where, you know, people go out and there's something that may be real or legitimate. Okay, let's just go back to the Donald Trump thing, January 6th, the physical date and and things that may or may not have happened. It, it exists. Yeah. And all the existential stories that come out of that and fabrications in regards to all of the narratives that have been attempted to be shaped in the media over the last, you know, year and a half of just, I think it's hurt anything that they, if there was people that actually did some bad stuff that day, I think it hurts their case. Um, because they've tried yeah. to blanket everybody and then pile on all of these fake stories that have been debunked. Yeah, you don't know what's real and fake anymore when it comes to January 6th. I mean, and they'll, they'll, the fake narratives are still pushed daily. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you guys. I, I, and I don't talk about January 6th that much, but if, of course, being a conservative, you're, a, you're accused of being an insurrectionist and a, a Nazi and, uh, now a cop killer because they still push that false narrative that Brian Sicknick was murdered by Trump supporters at the Capitol, which we all right. know is bullshit. His they old family came out and said it. Yeah, exactly. They went as far as said and tried to push the narrative that when the other – was it like a, a month or so later when the other Capitol police officer was killed by a, an ISIS sympathizer, the guy who ran into the barricade with the machete, they were trying to blame that on just – conservatives being cop haters i mean literally people were talking about that that's how ridiculous this got well we had we had a sitting house representative beth van dyne on um from texas 24 last month with us and she said she had to push an actual house resolution for it to be acknowledged that this was a uh, radical islamist terrorist that held hostages at the synagogue in her district when the local media and then it kind of manifested out into the national media that this was just an isolated incident and had nothing to do with discriminating against Jewish people or wanting to commit attacks on like American institutions of religion and stuff like that when it, 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 everything was all the evidence they had gathered, but it just stayed out of the news cycle. Yeah. So her, her first house resolution, which got passed unanimously acknowledged that as a terrorist attack. But just imagine that's what it takes to get it there. Well, I love this whole angle of of conservatives or cop haters. 
after yeah. the summer of love where ACAB was on oh. everyone's lips. And lasers were in everyone's eyes. Yes. Yeah. And bullets were that- some people's head. <laughs> They they use that narrative for January 6th, form that narrative that now conservatives were cop haters, Republicans, Trump supporters, whatever you want to call someone on the right are cop haters because police officers sustained injuries. Well, you know, it was also the police that let the people in. It was also police that were allowing people to walk through metal detectors and and walk into the house chamber and say hey just uh there's a real sacred place be really careful in here so the, what, what was the real threat to police they, they they weren't police officers weren't killed on the contrary and it, it hurts me to say it that a law enforcement officer killed an unarmed veteran that happened to be a trump supporter ashley babbitt and that person got a medal for it yeah and, and you know i was listening to uh um stake for battleground yesterday and he had on one of the lawyers that represented the young man who killed himself um you know while going through the whole january 6th thing and uh she's also representing another guy but she was talking about this kid who committed suicide because of all you know he came from a small town there was a lot of directed hatred towards him because of the small community that he lived in and uh the local press and all that stuff he lost his job it was a six-figure job and uh you know she said when they decided to charge him with this stuff uh they had you know used his cell phone video as evidence and you know it had showed that he was outside didn't do anything wrong walked up the steps this was 45 minutes after the capitol was cleared of congress people so no danger to anybody else and he literally videotaped himself walking up the steps into the capitol she said he literally walked through it and out the open back doors. That was his crime. Yeah. And they, 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 um, they charged him with felony obstruction of whatever it was, a uh, congressional proceeding and, and like things of that nature. I don't know the exact, um, statutes of the law that, but yeah, it's just some, you know, there were so many people that day that have gotten sucked up into this. It's just ridiculous. We're actually going to have on our show in, in, on the 15th of April, his name is Daniel Bostic. And Cash Patel's legal organization is going to be representing him in a $20 million lawsuit against the federal government for defamation and all the losses he's incurred. Um, and he was one of those people very similar, just kind of got herded in through open doors, didn't do anything, kind of walked out the back and and went home. And two weeks later, the you know, he's getting swatted at his house. So yeah. I believe it, Daniel Bostic, he does stuff with a, he works with Amanda Millis on some projects, right? Yep. And, yeah. and, and he was there and he's going to be joining us. So it's going to be good to talk to him about his case and get some of the specifics of that, hear about, you know, what happened, his version that day. And, uh, you know, if Cash's uh, organization is going to be representing him, it has to be, there has to be evidence of what he did was not really breaking the law uh, or at least at the felony level. And then has to be pretty legitimate claims to, uh, you know, be doing. It's kind of the way they're fighting back right now. So we'll see. The, the uh, January 6th rider you were talking about, he was from Pennsylvania. His name was Matt yep. Perna. Yep. And he was 37 years old. And he was, uh, he pleaded guilty to the charges. And then I believe they wanted to uh, add charges right before sentencing. Yes. And he just, he just couldn't take it anymore. And he was literally here. He, uh, 
obstruction of an official proceeding. It was four charges, trespassing and some other nonsense. But literally, I mean, 37 years old. This guy was in the Capitol for 20 minutes or less. Yep. He didn't cause any issues. He didn't try to overthrow a government. And what's sad is the party of tolerance, all these sick fucks on the left, will sit there and say, and I've seen it when that first came out. I, no one was really talking about it, and I talked about it. And you see on social media, oh, he should have killed himself twice. Like, really, really disgusting things. And it's there's no sympathy for uh, – not, not, not that there's sympathy, but there's no respect for humanity – when it comes to this political divide, especially from especially from the left, and listen, people on the right are guilty of it too. Yeah, I think it's it's just something that you don't necessarily see stuff like that every day, and then when you see people on the other side just cheering it on, well, people just say the most horrendous things. Just, I mean, <clears throat> we live in an age where you're always behind some piece of glass mm-hmm. at ninety percent of your life. You're behind the car window. You're behind your computer screen and people will say the most god awful shit, do the most ridiculous stuff, flip you off. Like like if you were outside your car, you probably wouldn't no. be doing this. And people just can get away with just going completely buck wild and saying just the most odd just awful, just awful things like yeah. that. Yeah. Celebrating this kid's death. And uh, you know, his lawyer said that he's never even had I know it's kind of a cliche statement, but a parking ticket in his life up, up until this, you know, he does he have a car? Well, not anymore. <laughs> not but he, well. you know, she, she went back, you know, graduated high school with honors, graduated from Penn State with honors, and then interned up through into a six-figure job, um, and was doing pretty well for himself. And you know, you don't know what the brain is going to do when put under pressures like that. That every time they talk about what you're getting charged with, uh, you know, they show the file footage of some of the worst parts of January 6th on TV and like he was there. Yeah, you start to you start to think like, well, that's what they're making. I'm If these charges are going to stick, that's me. And it wasn't. But, you know, that's the way everybody's looking at it now. Yeah, it's it's sick. I mean, it's clown world. It's That's the big term now. And it's but it's true. I mean. You talked earlier about making a passing legislation to 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 make sure that an attack was, you know, a, a terrorist attack or had to do with an ISIS sympathizers. And then in in our capital, we have laws being passed saying that lynching is illegal, murder is illegal. So why do we need to 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 politicize? Yeah, lynching. Well, it's an election year, and the Democrats need to exploit all the black voters. Mm, sounds about right i think they're waking up more though you know that's a really good point you make because next thing i want to talk about is kind of this whole big tech and the media perception the way they shape things we talk about it on our show you know there's like a 10 12 democrat ran big cities in the united states that kind of sway the entire news cycle and what everybody gets the perception of as the united states Right. Uh, what I'm trying to say is like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, St. Louis, Washington, D.C., New York City, Philadelphia, et cetera. You know, all of the awful things that are constantly happening in, in those cities, the, the legacy media takes it and tries to shape it as like when you walk outside of your door, whether you live in rural America or someplace that's like not a democratically ran city or state even, uh, that's the way everything is and there's no other way to look at it. Um, it's all about perception and how they kind of like shape the mind. I saw Jesse waters on uh, Wednesday. He did a really good segment on it and had some stats 
that I think uh, at least the people that are tuned in right now are going to think funny. But let's listen to this. No different than what's happening in America right now. What we see on TV, in the movies, online, are making us believe things about our country that aren't true. And we're making major decisions based off perception, not reality. Instead of tackling inflation or the border, today our president signed a bill to classify lynching as a hate crime. Hmm. How is this our top priority right now? Murder is illegal. Nobody's been lynched in America in decades. Call it whatever you want to call it, a hate crime. Fine with me. Good. It's heinous. But is this the top concern for the American people? This is behind the cost of living? And it's not just the president who doesn't know the country. It seems most of the country has no idea who we are either. A new poll by YouGov asked people what percentage of the United States is black. Their answer, 41%. You ready for some of these We think almost half the US Hmm. population is African-American. And that makes sense if you consume a lot of media, but it turns out black Americans are a smaller slice of the pie than they thought. The real number, 12%. Only 12% of Americans are African-American. How about Hispanic Americans? The poll shows that we all think that 39% of Americans are Hispanic. Way off again. Only 17% of the population is Hispanic. And it's not just race that we have no idea about. How many families have an annual income of over $500,000? This goes out to all you millennials. 26% of Americans make over a a half a million dollars a year. We think everybody's rich. But really, just 1% of the country earns that much. We all make much less than we think. How about left-handed Americans? How many lefties exist? We all have those lefty desks in school. Remember how goofy it felt if you got stuck in one of those? They're spawning. 34% of America is left-handed. I'm left-handed. Sounds reasonable. I mean, each baseball team has a bunch of lefty relievers. But the real number is 11%. This is a right-hander's world, and don't forget it. How about, this? How about the number of vegans or oh, vegetarians? Too well, many. Americans yeah. think 30% of the country is vegetarian, when really 5% mm. of the population doesn't eat meat. It's which too explains much. explains why it's the only thing left on the store shelves right now. Nobody wants it. Facts. How much of America's population, you ready, lives in New York City? Here's a good one. The estimate was 30%, (laughs) which would be nearly 100 million people. One third of the country packed into 300 square miles here. That's what we think. Seems legit. The real number? Maybe they thought 3%. They're counting the rats. Just 3% of the country lives here in New York. Ready? How many transgender people do you think live in the United States? The people who took this poll estimated... 21% 21% of our nation's population is transgender. A quarter. Jesus 21%. Christ. A quarter of the country is trans. That's what people think. Now, are these news stories starting to make sense? In reality, <laughs> the number is 1%. 1% is trans. How about gay people? We spend a lot of time talking about sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. With all that attention, surely that number must be high. Well, Americans... 
estimated that 30% of their fellow citizens are gay. Wrong again. The real number is 3%. Now, is this starting to add up? The Democrats don't want you to know the real numbers because it would tank their entire agenda. They want you to see victims around every corner and elect more Democrats to right the ship. Millions of people who look differently with different lifestyles, who eat differently, and who believe radically different things, it's just not true. This country is not New York City. It is the United States of America. So there you go, Alan. I think he did kind of like a, that sounds like a monologue that you do on your show, just with less yelling and swearing. <laughs> I don't so. yell that much. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's pretty, some of those numbers were pretty, well, yeah. there was probably a lot of millennials polled when they talked about, like, the vegans and how many people lived in New York City. But, uh, did they say how many people they polled? No, it was from a YouGov poll. I could I could probably grab the numbers, but uh, you know it's one of those things when you look at it, especially the the gay and transgender narrative, which has really um, you know caught steam since the Biden administration took over. A lot of virtue signaling there with some of their uh, more well hung picks for capital <laughs> and and high three percent. <laughs> yeah, and and you know like I said especially with the blacks and Hispanics, you know, those numbers, I even thought both of the numbers were going to be higher than, than 12 and 17%. Yeah. 12% black, 17% Hispanic. Yeah. yeah. I I thought they would be higher as well. But I I saw somebody do a cross analysis of that piece. And what they said was, you know, like he said, in the mainstream media, you can't find a commercial, you can't find a television show without not with, with no white people in it anymore. And, and, you know, it's just like, I, I think like when it comes to like acting, just like in any job, the most qualified people should get it. And right. we're just not seeing that. You know, I, I know there was a lot of controversy like last year when they did like there was a show on, on cable uh, where they like did like a recreation of stuff from like, you know, old British times. And like the lead was a black gal. And, uh, you know, everybody made like a huge deal out of that. Well, she was the best actress there. But, but the fact of the matter is that she wasn't. It was it was just a big virtue single. And, and it's the same thing with a lot of, like, the picks in the Biden administration. Like, you know, <laughs> the, the Supreme Court nominee that's up right now, Joe Biden stumped in his campaign. And since he's gotten to the White House, when he has the opportunity to make a Supreme Court nominee, it's going to be an African-American woman. Right. And then you get the lady there, and she can't even tell you what a woman is, which would automatically disqualify herself because, obviously, Joe Biden found someone who, you know, can't biologically determine on what she is or not or or won't go on the record as saying it which you have to think about that what about all the feminist organizations and activists out there who fight for women's rights whether it's who knows maybe even abortion rights some of the uh, uh, abortion activists that like killing babies how is this woman supposed to uh, protect women's rights under the constitution or a certain law if she doesn't know what a woman is that's concerning that's very concerning that should concern everybody across the board no matter what political ideology you have and she might not even have to do that because i i heard sometime next week i believe by wednesday joe biden's supposed to issue a rewording to title nine which protects gender identity um or, or what people consider themselves, not necessarily biological gender. Well, that's important, you know, given what's going on right now. Everywhere in the world? Oh, yeah. And oh. The, this 
with the polling numbers that we just listened to, uh, with was it three three percent gay? What, what is it? One percent transgender? Is that what they said? Yeah. There are more people that protest uh, or for or, or activists pro transgender than there probably are transgender people, which is exactly. wild. It's wild because that's what the Democrats have programmed people to do. I'm not a transgender, but there are so many, and they should all, you know, be able to use the locker room with your daughter. And it's one percent, and 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 we're hanging transgender flags at federal buildings and churches. I'm sorry, it's it's disgusting. It's disgusting. We, we did a deep dive on this about a year ago, and we went with some of the national statistics that were actually provided by the government. And out of the, you know, the, the, the total transgender population makes up just under 1% of the total population in the United States. Um, and I believe if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, 98% of the people that dabble in transgender E Dab, dabble, dabble. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Dabble? Like, like occasionally put on not, lipstick. They're not like a hundred percent into it. They're just like every once in a while, they're just going to be like, Hey, I'm going to go out to the club and, Right, like, it's, <laughs> like it's tranny Tuesdays and only tranny Tuesdays. Hey, with the way they're trying to, you know, they had those stats come out last week from Texas uh, in the previous year, fiscal year 21, when they rolled out for elementary school kids, trans and gay awareness month or week, whatever they did at their schools and, and like super saturated with all, with all this stuff. 43% of the total schools were saying that they're now transgender. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. But but going back to the to the national statistics and these these are the government ones. So 98% of the people uh that that get into this whole transgender ideology will eventually go back to their original biological sex. And then we all know the number it's almost a 45% rate for the small percentage of those people that decide to continue on going with it and we're talking about reassignment surgeries and things like that. Almost 45% of the people who eventually do that kill themselves. That's a national statistic. Yeah, and the the reasoning behind that, I've done a little reading on this, is that, you know, I mean, like if I would have done some of the shit that I wanted to do when I was a kid, like mm -hmm. get stupid tattoos, mm -hmm. you know, do whatever. Things Wear, that I thought was underwear. Sorry. We still do that. <laughs> thought about doing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, they they think that these, like they're suffering with depression. They're suffering with not being popular not being part of the group the lack of two parent family homes that too mm -hmm. and they think that this drastic change is going to change their life it's going to make them happy it's going to change everything and they'll go through this drastic you know for instance gender reassignment surgery which is irreversible mm -hmm. so there's no no whammies on this no. like you you chop it off no mulligans it's no yeah. free drops there's one drop yeah but <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't change how they feel and then now on top of still feeling isolated still not feeling part i hate to say inclusive yeah included yeah that it just drops them into an even deeper level of of depression and despair because now they they feel even more on the outside because now they are i hate to say it not normal yeah, per they, se they, they keep expanding this group of letters that make up the you know the original lbgt thing right and and the i think somebody tried to say the whole thing the other day and they died <laughs> brain aneurysm yeah it might have been 
No, but they, they keep expanding this group and coming up with different things, they right? They might have been boosted. I don't know. And then the actual numbers are are so low that these people that watch television or they get indoctrinated by that one person who's able to you know manipulate them, then they realize that they have no support structure. You know, their parents aren't transgender. I would say if it's one percent, ninety nine percent of the people in their lives aren't transgender, and they like push themselves even further out onto an island. Yeah of something that's like number one, not natural. And now number two, like not really an intricate part of society. It's something that you still, for the most part, see on TV, you know, like when they have these huge events, like, you know, big parades and stuff like that, people come from all over the country and they have to, because of the, the you know, physical numbers, they're just not there. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, I hope moving forward, we kind of not regulate, but like continue to like re normalize getting back to, you should just like eat healthy and get exercise, go out and get some sun, not worry about cutting your wiener off. Yeah. And if, and if you are having these feelings or whatever, you could definitely, you know, explore those areas without going so drastically one side. Like, yeah, if you feel like doing this, give it a shot for a while. But I mean, back to what I said about things that I wanted to do when I was younger, like I would have some really dumb tattoos right now. Yeah. And have made, probably made some bad choices. Yeah. So that, that like, those reassignment surgeries are irreversible. Um, so so you, yeah. you, talk, you talk about tattoos. Did you end up getting a, a tram stamp and attempt to have it removed or no, you still have it? <laughs> a tram stamp? No, I don't have a tram stamp. <laughs> but why, why? Let's just say I was thinking about getting <laughs> tattoos that were below the employment line. So oh. on the hands. All right. Okay. Stupid shit like that. I mean, that's fine. But whatever. I mean, I could probably get away with it now, but. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and, you know, the assault on women and Title IX with this whole transgender movement. I mean, look, there's the numbers that support yourself right there. So let's just talk about major college sports. And this, this kind of just leads and gives more evidence. You've had one transgender male compete in women's track last year in Division II. And then obviously you, you've had the freaking dolphin in, in women's NCAA swimming this year. And uh, those are your only two. Yeah. Major competitors that are kind of breaking. I don't even know what it's not a glass ceiling because they're not technically women. So, uh, but, and, and so, you know, it, it, there's, but listen how that, that Leah Thompson thing has just gotten absolutely out of control. And William Thompson, William Thompson, who still, date, still dates women. Oh, and uh, yeah, oh. but you know, it's, it's one of those things where that one person is now making everybody feel like this is like a widespread issue and it is a, it's an issue but it's not the issue that sets the tone for all women's sports there's you know hundreds of women's sports across the country and and dudes not playing them so not for long yeah well we'll see when that redefinition of title nine is issued by the biden administration this week and how bad that is let's segue to some well even weirder shit <laughs> earlier in the week North Carolina House Representative Madison Cawthorn um, jumped on a podcast. Now makes me feel like he'll never come on our show because, boy, did he get in trouble for some of the shit he said. <laughs> um, he compared the current social atmosphere in Washington, D.C. to the House of Cards show, which had a lot of uh, coke-fueled sex parties. I mean, is he wrong? 
Yeah, Orgy Gate is it? Good old Hot Wheels running his mouth. Uh, <laughs> I got a, I got a short clip from him on that podcast. Let's hear it. Hot Wheels. It's about to get cards. serious. Yes, I am with uh, Kevin Spacey and I forget who else uh, was in it. Uh, but anyway, really well done show. Very really, well done. Very show. well done show. But it was so dirty, and it was about this uh, congressman uh, who was Kevin Spacey who was, I think it was minority or majority whip. Yep. What, what was it? Yeah. And so anyway, very, very powerful guy. And it was just kind of like his secret life of all this corruption mm-hmm. and power and money and perversion. And it was just dirty. How much, in your opinion, because you've been behind the veil, is this a fictitious show or is this more closer to like a documentary? Is, is it that bad? So I heard a former president that we had in the 90s was asked a question about this. And he gave an answer that I thought was so true. And he said, the only thing that's not accurate in that show is that you could never get a piece of legislation about uh, <laughs> about education passed that quickly. Nah. And everything else is good. Uh, aside <laughs> from that, I mean, the sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, I mean, it, being kind of a young guy in Washington with the average age of probably 60 or 70, and I look at all these people, a lot of them that I, I, you know, I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention to politics, guys that, you know, it, then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should mm. come. And I'm like, what, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah, and the dealers are asking you to come to an orgy. Uh, Or or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove, you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. And it's like, wow, this is, this is wild. Alan, what do you think? I know, you know, we like Madison Cawthorn. I've become talkative with him on social media as we're trying to to get something lined up. I know you're trying to get something lined up for us as well. But uh just seems like, you know, for as solid as he's been and, and uh, gone through a little bit more of the maturing process over the last like year, as, as things have gotten a lot tighter in Washington, D.C., due to the fact that the Biden administration's in the driver's seat right now, um, kind of out of left field, surprised a lot of people. What's your take on it? I have a few takes now that it, it's been a few days. I I like Madison Cawthorn as I, I like his speaking points. He hasn't done anything impressive other than really get behind the podium and and give give some good speeches. But he's young. He's very. I, mean, I think he's the youngest member of Congress. Maybe he hasn't. Okay, so maybe he hasn't grown and progressed into the position, which I'm I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. And he's on a podcast. You know, it's laid back, a similar show to yours and mine. And he came out with this, and hey, it blew up. <laughs> What's that? I said, hey, we're a serious show. All right. You're a serious show. <laughs> <laughs> Let me stop you there. You know, we're actually we're, we're competing with the time slot right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. You got it. And, and it blew up in his face, meaning already he pissed some people off. Kevin McCarthy, Rhino, all of a sudden he's going to have a stern talking to. People are saying that they lost confidence in him. He's an embarrassment to the GOP. I believe Breitbart even reported that Kevin McCarthy was threatening to uh, get a primary, someone to primary him. Yes. Which would, wouldn't surprise me anyway because Kevin McCarthy hates anybody against the establishment and the America First candidates are scaring the shit out of him. We can get into that whenever. But – now he's exposed this possible 
uh, possible. You know what happens. You, you know these these people in Congress that are there for 10, 15, 20 years are sick perverts. They're bumping lines. They're banging each other's wives, probably banging each other's husbands, men, men, women, women, whatever. They're sick. Now it comes a point where you're over that threshold. Are you going to walk it back? Are you going to name names? Are you going to expose people and have them investigated? Because Madison Cawthorn put out a statement already looking like he took a knee to Lita McCarthy, which I'm well, very disappointed about. That's physically impossible. Um, <laughs> I think one of the wheels have uh, come off and he, he, I mean, did you read, did you see the statement? I'm going to read it right now. You well, ready? People think that this stuff can't happen, but I mean, did Epstein not? Do what he was doing. Oh, he was definitely doing that. And who who were the customers? Mm. Still never know. Maybe the same people that were going to those cocaine-fueled orgy parties. There you go. Let's hear what he said. Corruption and unethical activities exist in Washington. It's an indisputable fact. If you don't think that that's true, you've not witnessed the swamp. My comments on a recent podcast appearance calling out corruption have been used by the left and the media to disparage my Republican colleagues and falsely insinuate their involvement in illicit activities. I've considered for several days now the best way to address this controversy. Culture in Washington is corrupt. Human nature has fallen. Compromising activities occur because when other people can place you in compromising positions, they control you. Hmm, that's kind of a little Epstein connection there. Getting back, it's all about power, but my colleagues and I are fighting this corruption. In Western North Carolina, you sent me to Washington to change the culture. If you want Washington to operate without accountability, then send someone else. If you want someone who will throw the entire D.C. swamp into a meltdown because I call out their corruption, send me back. The left and the media want to use my words to divide the GOP. I'm going to paraphrase there. Further than they're already divided. Mm. And they are terrified of the Republicans taking back the House and seeing Leader McCarthy barf become mm. speaker. Their efforts will divide us if we fail. I will not back down to the mob, and I will not let them win. I will continue fighting for you for many years to come, Congressman Madison Cawthorn. I thought it was also interesting that Donald Trump, uh, shortly thereafter this, you know, you sent this to me yesterday, Alan. Shortly within the hour, Donald Trump announced his speaking list for the Save America rally that's going on tonight in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And Madison Cawthorn was added to the list. So I guess regardless of what's going on down there, he's still got the Trump, the, the Trump nod. Yeah, I believe he has Trump's endorsement, correct? Yes. Yeah. You know, it, I, did hear, I, I heard two of the uh, larger names in the political spectrum weigh in on this yesterday. Um, you're friends with one of them, Mr. Roger Stone. Good friend. And then someone who's more... Been qualified to talk about all things orgy related. Ooh, Mr. Alex Jones. <laughs> nice. I pulled a small clip from Infowars. Let's hear them talk about this. No question. And therefore, uh, the people watching Infowars, the Infowars need to realize that Madison Cawthorn is the guy telling the truth. And all these rhinos who are moving to discredit him and smear him and belittle him. Uh, and threatening to remove his committees. Uh, this this is because they have something to hide. It is so obvious. It's so logical. Don't listen to anything CNN says. CNN wouldn't know the truth if they fell over. Well, I mean, I agree with you, but... <laughs> 
aren't they even dumber to attack him? They should have just ignored this. I totally agree with that. I spoke to a reporter from the New York Post a little while ago, and she made exactly that point. I agree with that. Uh, it's because they are so vulnerable. They're so hysterical, because if he starts to name names, it would go all the way to the top. Oof. And that's, that's kind of scary. Yeah. The frogs are gay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't doubt that some of those comments that Madison Cawthorn made are true. We all know they're fucking degenerate scumbags up there. And I thought we talked to some people in the uh, the D.C. apparatus. Mike Crispy, you know, he talks about how crazy it is up there. Yeah. I, I've heard from from several of the people that are running for, uh, you know, Congress now in the midterm elections. I'm not going to name names because they're all in the, the heat of the campaigns, but they've operated in and around D.C. They've either former government officials. They served in the Trump administration. They were in the military and, and worked out of Virginia directly with D.C. And, uh, you know, they, they look forward to events like CPAC and shit like that because they said it's an absolute fucking shit show. All yeah. of them, you know, that was like the I'm trying to get takes from people for my show the week going into CPACs and all they're talking about is, you know, chasing Gosar's girls around. And uh, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where uh, he's probably not too far off base to, to think that Congress people who live on the other side of the country go to Washington, D.C. for nine months a year and don't run around sticking their penises and vaginas everywhere. They're not supposed to be while taking a few bumps of cocaine. Uh <laughs> Probably doesn't know too much about mainstream politics. Well, how many celebrities and actual people that do that have gotten criminal records for that sort of thing? Yeah, that's yeah. probably pretty proven. So, you know, I look at CPAC. Nothing wrong with it. I've never been. I don't know if I'll ever go. It's like Hollywood conservatism. You know, it, it, it's like the, the Grammys or the Oscars of CPAC. And then and establishment I'm, conservatism establishment conservatism exactly i don't i don't see it as america first agenda and i you know i know they go there and trump speaks and i'm not talking about just people that go and speak i mean a lot of the smaller influencers that go and i'll call them hollywood conservatives especially some of the female hollywood conservatives that they're all there at the cocktail parties and they're all having the after parties it just all ties in you know, hey, I'm at CPAC. I'm just here for the gangbang. <laughs> exactly. You know, we saw memes of Matt and Cothors that, that made of that, you know, segment from the podcast. It was the fucking memes from uh, old school of that exact scene. So and I saw a lot of them this week, and it doesn't seem like it's too far outside of the realms of possibility. Now, do I think like Mitch McConnell and, uh, you know, Lindsey oh. Graham are walking around at, at these orgies right here? And maybe Mitch McConnell likes his cocaine dipped were there's originals i think lindsey Bra- lindsey graham is uh oh, i don't even want to know the, wherever the boys are yeah <laughs> I yeah mean. i said i said last week on the show i was trying to work on a lindsey graham impersonation and i just i can't pull gay southerner out of my no. I can't add it to the repertoire so can you just do a loud um can can you just do a loud gulping noise or a gargle noise? That might be a good impression of Lindsey Graham. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's yeah. Disgusting. Damn. Uh, yeah, you know, so we're, and I would imagine Roger Stone knows a lot about. I mean, he he's been in politics forever, and he's, you know, 
Roger Stone was no Boy Scout in politics. You know, he's his his wife had cancer. He 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 found he found God. He got he got religious in a sense. And uh, I've 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 had some. I was with him recently and had a one on one conversation with him about you know Bohemian Grove and Nixon and Reagan and why they were there together. And basically, it was to have you know Bohemian Grove is always a big conspiratorial conversation. They talk about. Oh, everybody goes there and bangs each other and all this gay stuff goes. Nixon's on the, the Watergate, the White House Watergate tape saying when he was questioned, hey, what do you think about Bohemian Grove? And he's like, well, that's the the vaguest thing I, I've ever seen and ever been to. But that not necessarily meaning that they're all going there and they're having these, you know, cocaine-fueled gay orgies, but they all of these millionaires and 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 billionaires that are calling shots are going there to uh uh, uh, make decisions. I mean, that's where they, I, from what I understand, that they convinced Ronald Reagan to run for governor of California, so he yep. was out of the way of Nixon's presidential race. That was explained yeah. to me. Yeah, that was explained to me in 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 length. I mean, General MacArthur apparently was at Bohemian Grove. Maybe there've been declarations of war talked about at Bohemian Grove, and it's like a a Broadway, sh- a bad a bad produced uh, Broadway show for for millionaires who like to go and and donors of 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 campaigns to go there to have that sense of privacy and not be bothered by the public and worry about what's going on. But it's all it's all sick. The D.C. is sick, Washington sick. I'm actually having Roger on Monday. Nice. To specifically talk about Orgy Gate, so and I'm actually going to ask him because this all came out now with 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 um, statement, and I I want to ask him what he thinks about now him kind of walking it back a little bit and saying, well, the left and the media is looking to now divide the the GOP more than the GOP divides itself because it divides itself uh, unbelievably, and what he thinks about the statement of well, they're worried about having. Leader McCarthy being called Speaker McCarthy. I mean, that's definitely something I want to ask him about in his take. But it's all I, sick, guys. It's all I'd, sick. I'd be really in. I'm I'm excited to listen to that. But I want to hear Roger Stone's real take on on Leader McCarthy and Speaker McCarthy because some of the stuff that he's doing right now, like I understand, there's a whole equation that goes into. But we could just tell by some of the America First candidates we've had on. Robbie Starbuck, Mike Collins, and Joe Kent, namely, that he has done major things from the Beltway to sabotage all three of their campaigns. And because yeah. these guys are honest and true, because they believe in Trump era policies and really identify with the blue collar men and women of the country, they've surged in the polls. And they're, you know, Joe Kent is not only destroying his primary challengers, but he's now, I think it looked like four or five points ahead uh, of, of the Democratic challenger. And then, you know, Mike Collins is. It's going to roll to Georgia 10 and we're going to have Robbie and Landon Starbuck on um, next Friday. And we're going to do a piece with them together. And his whole story with the Morgan Ortegas thing, we finally got a disposition on that last week. We made a lot of fun of it on the show yesterday because apparently Amanda Millius fucking hates her (laughs) and cash likes her. So, you know, it was one of those things they got into this back and forth. It was so funny. Like, yeah, you're out there like promoting her as an America first candidate. Meanwhile, I worked in the office two years where I would see her come back to the White House and and talk shit about the first family. So you, you get so many yeah, man. But I tell you what, daddy hit mommy at the dinner table. Daddy hits mommy <laughs> because you get bad grades. <laughs> the, uh, 
the establishment, like Kevin McCarthy, all those establishment idiots are petrified that they're going to lose the majority within the party to America first. The leadership is going to change. And that's why Kevin McCarthy and all these other idiots are sending their PAC money under the table to people yep. like Joe, Joe Kent's primary challenger and things like that, because they want to fund these people to keep the establishment going to retain power so they don't get ex- exposed, snorting coke, having orgies, making money and everything else that goes along with the establishment. Yeah, I guess this is our first show. You're looking for some subtitles. We have to find something for uh, orgy-related. It seems like every segment just circled back to that. Hashtag orgy. Yeah, there you go. Hashtag orgy. The orgy gate episode. What would you think of the first live show, boys? I thought it was pretty solid. Yeah. I I think uh, a little bit smoother than I thought. Not getting there, but once you hit the buttons, it looks – you know, pretty good. This button. And, oh no! I think, I think, I think, I think we're doing all right. I think uh, people are going to be happy. Well, at least, uh, at least seeing me on Saturday mornings. Don't worry, we'll get Antoinette here eventually. She's a little under the weather today, and uh, hopefully she'll be back soon, feeling good. Yes. Now, in addition to this show, we're going to want to direct everyone that's tuned in today to eventually uh, check out our other shows. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Well, you can find me on the Patriot Podcast Network, The Great Divide. My website's thegreatdivide1776.com. But if you're on the uh, Patriot Podcast Network watching The Great Steak Breakfast Podcast, you might as well just stick around on it and find The Great Divide along with your show. And that is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. If you jump on pretty much any of the social medias, we'll go with Instagram and look us up at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. You'll find a link tree there that'll take you everything. Steak for breakfast, website, Telegram, Substack, all the places where you can listen to our shows. Obviously, a link for the Roku network and uh, all things related. So I guess on behalf of everyone that's here today, looking forward to uh, doing this again soon. I'm Roan. Noah? Nope. Not bad for a round one. Could have been worse. Your computer's yeah. on fire. Yep. And Mr. Alan Jacoby, host of The Great Divide, and uh, now part of our podcast team. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon. We'll see you guys.